Amen. Good morning. Please be seated. Come on, let's thank all our worship team. Thank you so much, guys. We appreciate you. And also, everyone else that's been here early serving, we thank you so much for all your commitment. We couldn't do without you. We do appreciate you so much. Okay, if you've got your Bible, please turn with me to Acts chapter 2. We're going to continue in the book of Acts. Just going to go pick some thoughts out together. Uh, welcome if you're here online today. We thank you for joining us. So I'm going to teach you a new word in a minute. Um, some of you theologians will probably find this difficult, this word. It's not in Hebrew or Greek or Latin, but it's something that, um, that I'm going to bring to you that nobody's ever thought of before. Isn't that good? If you're a teacher in here, then you'll know that this word is brand new and uh, nobody's ever brought it to you before. Isn't that good? Very good. Some, someone that's not educated, I think that's a really good achievement, don't you? Acts 2 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the, the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. How many of you have read this passage uh, time and time again in your Bible reading or heard preachers preach from it? You know, it's really interesting as you keep reading the Word of God, how things begin to jump out at you and, and just make some clear things um, that you never saw before. So let me teach you a brand new word. Uh, if we can see it on the screen. Is it up there? Um, it's called Stugshim. Say that with me. Say with me, Stugshim. If you look in the dictionary, it won't be there. But I want this word to stick in your brain, Stugshim. Why have I brought that title today? Because each letter presents itself something of the, what the early church did to actually help the growth of the church. So, Stugshim, I thought, oh, you'll never forget that word, Stugshim. It's a good word. And uh, I want to talk to you about some of these points. Each of these letters represents something that, that the New Testament church had in their DNA, which helped the church grow. And hopefully, this also can apply to your personal life at home, in your work. And actually, for you as a person, I believe these principles will help you flourish in our life following Jesus. So let's go through the first one. The first thing, we'll just remember that the last sermon that was preached in Acts was when Linda talked about the coming of the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. And uh, if I were to ask you um, individually, what does being filled with the Holy Spirit mean? I'm sure that you would define some different things that you would, from your experience, if you've belonged to another church or you've had personal experience in your life, what would that mean to you? What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does it mean for a church to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And, you know, many of you say, well, to be bold and to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Well, that is the, the primary thing. But when you begin to look at the New Testament church, you can see there are also practical things which came out of a Spirit-filled church, which we're going to look at today in our lives. So the first thing that I want to talk to you about is what we see in the New Testament in verse 33. It says, everyone, 
was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So we can, we can see straight away that this church was a supernatural church. It wasn't just on the willpower of people or the commitment of people to make something happen. Many of you make things happen in your life and it's natural. Actually, you put a lot of effort, a lot of willpower, a lot of determination in achieving things for your own life. But the New Testament church was a supernatural church. In other words, they had extra power to help them enable, fulfill the mission. I want to encourage you today that no matter how talented we are or how slick we may be, without the power of God, we will not be able to change anybody's life. Okay, It's not about how good the performance is, but whether or not there is power attached to what we do as Christians and also as a church. In Acts 4, we can read where Peter and John were about to go to the temple. Isn't it interesting that a miracle happened outside of a church meeting? And so the supernatural power doesn't just belong in a church meeting. And many years we just thought, you know, wasn't that a spirit-filled meeting? Well, we need to be spirit-filled Christians where the power of God operates in our home, in our workplace, and also in the world where God's placed us. So Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power and what name did you do this? There was a man that was born crippled from birth, and the power of God, with the help of Peter's power, pulled him on his feet, and the power of God touched this man and totally healed him from being a cripple. I want to say that the supernatural power of God has to be an ingredient in any church that is going to make a difference in our society. They asked by what power, not by, by what slick sermon you did, by what slick presentation you did, no matter how well you looked online. They never said, how did they? It's by what power and what name was that? And so even though we talk about Elam Church on Hampton, it's not so much the power in our name, but it's the power of God in the name of Jesus. And so they were astounded by just these mere men who, who preached the word, who was going around being busy for God, that there was something added extra going through their lives, and it was the power of the Holy Spirit. There are some things in our life, no matter how hard you try, that will not have a breakthrough. And only the Spirit of God can bring those changes in our lives, in our marriages, in our finances, in our churches. Only His power can make the difference. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you will receive power. That word for many of you is, is known as dunamis. It's a word for dynamite or dynamic. It's described over a hundred times in the New Testament. And it's there to help us know that we have a power which God has given to us by his presence that will help us break through the natural things in our lives. The Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 2. My message and my preaching were not with wise or persuasive words. It doesn't really matter how slick the PowerPoint looks because if there's no power in the point, then nobody's life is going to change. He said, I didn't come to you. My message was, my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, even though we want to be presentable, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith 
might rest, not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. I want to say to you as a church and as a Christian, that no matter what, how resourced you are, without the Holy Spirit's power, we will not make much change in our homes, in our own life, or in society. It's a supernatural enabling which comes from God by the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's more than speaking a different language. It's more than speaking a heavenly language. It's the power to see the results and breaking natural things, and only God can do that. In fact, this power that Paul talks about is a power that will actually help us in our doubts, in our fears, in our intimidations. Because Paul wrote to Timothy and he says, he said, for God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power. Same word, dynamite. Same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Same power that healed this man that was crippled from birth. So if you're feeling intimidated, restricted, full of fear, then Paul says, look, God didn't give you that, but he's given you a spirit of power, a supernatural enabling that can overcome your natural ability. Isn't that good news today? You know, when you're coming tired out of COVID, you're thinking, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Well, listen, we have a resource from heaven that will enable you to get through any situation of our life called the Holy Spirit. His power, his dynamite will help us. In fact, many of you are weak in areas of your life and many try in our willpower to break habits. Many of us try and do things for God in our own power, but Paul says God has given you a power to help break those cycles because he says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power, dunamis, dynamite, is made perfect in weakness. How many of you struggle with the old nature? How many of you struggle with habits that you can't break and you've tried and tried and you're just fed up? Well, maybe it's time to switch the button and ask the Holy Spirit to empower you to do the things that you can't do. Have you ever thought about that? His power was made perfect in our weakness. In other words, if you're strong in an area, you don't need God. But when you're weak, then his power is available to help you do what you need to do. So when God comes by his presence, it's more than to speak in the heavenly language. It's to give the believers in the church a supernatural power that goes beyond our natural ability. And Paul prays in Ephesians, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to what? According to the power, dunamis, at work within us. Do you know, if you're going through a difficult time right now in your life, there is a resource from heaven that can help you through, and it is the presence and the power of God, the person of the Holy Spirit. The first thing is the church was a supernatural church, and as Christians, we need to be supernatural Christians, not just operating in our natural intellect or natural gifting, but there is a power and an ability that goes beyond our natural things. I want to say to you that, you know, no matter how uh, we communicate, no matter what we do in our good works, it's only God's power that changes people's lives. He's the only one that can come on the inside and make transformation in our lives. So the first thing, that supernatural church. Second thing is, 
in verse 42, it says they were devoted, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. In other words, so it wasn't just a power that God did, it was something also that the early Christians were devoted to. The Holy Spirit changes things in our lives. How many of you, before you were a Christian, you were devoted to some things apart from the church or God? Some of you now that are followers of Jesus, you're devoted to something in your life. You're devoted to a hobby, you're devoted to your work, you're devoted to a relationship. But these early Christians were devoted to the things of God. And if any church is going to see a move of God, you have to begin to think about, am I devoted to the things of God? Am I committed? Am I faithful? Am I dedicated? Am I loyal? Not only in my own self, but corporately as a church. Any church that will ever do anything for God not only relies on God's power, but is also devoted to the cause. You will get nothing done in your life if you are not devoted to it, giving it your all, your energy, not just shelf God in the corner and think, well, I'll give God 10 minutes on Sunday. No, our whole life has to be, do you know what? God is priority in my life and everything will fall into place after that. It's God's power and our willpower together and it, it asks for a commitment. A spirit-filled Christian has to have some kind of devotion for God in their lives. There has to be a hunger for God. Why would the Holy Spirit rest in us if nothing out of us is devoted to him who saved us? So I want to encourage you that begin to ask God to fill you again, to help us for that devotion, to be committed in alignment to him. And, uh, you know, how many of you have heard the illustration about the commitment of the pig and the chicken when, when egg and bacon is in front of you. Yamini has a, a full English breakfast. I know lots of vegetarians and all that, but you don't eat bacon anymore. How many of you like egg and, you know, bacon sandwich? Put your hand up. How many like egg and bacon? Here's the thing. So the chicken is involved, but the, kick, the pig is committed. You couldn't have egg and bacon without commitment. And the problem is sometimes with Christians, some of you are involved, but some of you are really committed. Because the pig had to lay his life down for you to enjoy your breakfast. And so I want to say that we need to be a devoted church. And I want to ask you in your own marriage, in your own workplace, in your own life, is there a devotion right there? Think about what you're devoted to right now. Jesus said, you know, you can't serve both God and money. You can't be devoted to one because you'll end up hating the other. So you can have money, but you can't have you. So that devotion for God, a spirit-filled church, has to show a devotion to God. Thirdly, unity. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Let me just tell you this. Unity does not mean uniformity. It doesn't mean to say we've got to have all the same haircuts, same food, same clothes. You know, it's not that. It's about having the one purpose, having the same vision. In other words, Jesus is center of all that we do. Once Jesus becomes priority, unity is formed. It's when you lift me up, then all men will be drawn unto me. And so it's really important that unity is a sign of a spirit-filled church. You know, unity is massive in your marriage, in your workplace, and in your life. Division just upsets things. And you know, many churches that go through difficult times, it's because of disunity. And I wonder if you're married today, you know, you're thinking, you know what, we're just, there's not much unity here, just division and arguing. 
then we need harmony. With The Spirit of God can bring harmony in our situation. Listen, in, how can we walk together unless we are in agreement? And as a church, you may visit us online or you may come for the first time or you think Elam Church is not for me. Do you know what? Well, that's fine because there's many other churches out there that will be for you. And so, we, you know, any church would be like Marmite. You'll either love it or you hate it. But once you find a church where you love, then you can commit to that and unity will be powerful to see people's lives transformed. Next one is generous. Generous. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Giving to the needs. Now listen, let me help you with this. It doesn't mean to say if you're going to be a part of our church that you're going to need to sell your house and give it to us. It doesn't mean that at all. Now there are some people in past that have donated property and things to the work of God and that's cool. But you have to understand that the New Testament church in that context, it wasn't an everyday occurrence where they sold their possessions every day and every month and every year continuously because it would not have been attainable or achievable in their lives. But what it does mean is that they were actually open-handed. They were willing to give to those that were need in a crisis situation at the time when God moved in his power. You know, the sacrificial giving as I said, was, was not a constant reliance um, on other, helping other people get through life. And sometimes in church, we can get mixed up with being generous and being foolish because God puts a responsibility on people to actually help them earn a living themselves. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, if you don't work, then you shouldn't eat. So from time to time, in crisis situations, like famine times in the New Testament, like persecution times, like the New Testament time at the, when God poured out his spirit, there was an immediate need to actually pull resources together to meet that particular need there and then. When you look through the book of Acts, it wasn't every week and every month, but from time to time. And so in this time, think about it, there were people traveling all over to Jerusalem and they never intended to stay in Jerusalem. But when the Spirit of God came, they needed accommodation, they couldn't go back to the normal way of living because they also thought that Jesus was coming back very soon. So they said, that's it, we're, gonna, we're not even going to go home, Jesus is coming back, we need to get committed to this work and we need accommodation and we need new clothes and we need some food. So the early church responded to that. But they was a generous church. And I want to ask you today, how generous are you as a spirit-filled Christian? How generous are you? How would you gauge that? Well, I want to challenge you. The only way that you can gauge really in a financial way, because there's other ways you can be generous, kind words, you know, just being um, pleasant with people, considering others. But in a financial context, how do you know that you're being generous with the substance or possessions that God's given to you. Have a look at your bank statement and see where all your money goes. Because that will give you a real gauge of how generous you are as a person because generosity goes beyond you. When you begin to look at your giving, your spending... Where, where does most of your spending actually go? Now listen, you have to take care of your bills, you've got to look after your kids, you've got to look after your household, all those priorities. But if, if any of you've got room after that, 
Where, where does your resources go? Are you a generous person? This is what someone said. A real Christian cannot bear to have too much when others have too little. If you've got loads of resources and you see people in need, does your heart tend to want to help them from time to time? A generous church. I want to go through these a bit more quick now. The next one is consistent. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. What does that mean? A spirit-filled church is consistent. Anything that you can ever achieve in your life, if there's no consistency, then there'll be chaos. Predictable, regular, reliable, count-on kind of a person. Now, listen, many things are one-offs, but other things need to be consistent, repeated, healthy habits in our life, keeping your word. Now, flexibility and spontaneity is really important, but you can't live always being flexible every day of your life and spontaneous every day of your life because you need some stability. COVID has definitely shown us that we need to be flexible. COVID has shown us that we need to be spontaneity. But when the, when the, when the rubber hits the road, every one of us needs stability. Everyone needs some ground in the thing. I know what my routine is now because it's shaking the whole church up. It's shaking our jobs up, all our routine is all over the place. And what that breeds is insecurity. And I don't know what I'm doing now. I mean, it's shaking our lives upside down. And so we need to have some consistency. And as I was preparing this message, and this may not mean anything to do with what I'm trying to say with consistency, but I'm talking to some of you today as I was thinking about this, and only because of my journey through COVID, that my, my life was organized. You know, I had people in place working with us, familiar, everything was going great, and then COVID hit, and then different staff members changed. And all of a sudden, there was a um, flexibility, there was a disturbance, there was an interruption in my stability, into my order, and it threw my life apart. You know, we've had our grandkids uh, borrow to us this weekend, and I forgot what it's like to have young kids. I had my little routine, my little devotion when I wake up with a coffee, a little bit of Sky News after that, and I had my little day planned out. Anybody else like that? I've got my routine all sorted out. I know what I'm doing. And then I had, I'm not going to call them interruption because they're my grandchildren. They're a, a joy. And so they come on our weekend and I mean, guess what? I didn't do my devotion. Why? Because at five o'clock, we was trying to find where the grandkids were around the house. And so routine changed. You know, spontaneous, spontaneity happened, flexibility. But do you know something? I was so like undone and like not in control and out my routine. And I felt guilty because I never did my Bible reading. I'm thinking, what am I going to do? Here's what I want to say to some of you. Mind me, nothing to anybody else today. Some of you are hit a bit a new season of your rhythm of your life and what you used to do you can't do anymore for a season and I just want to say to you it's okay some of you have had your bible readings perfect your prayer life perfect your worship perfect your serving perfect and something has come into your world an interruption or inconvenience or a relationship or something else in your life and things have gone upside down 
everywhere where what used to be there is no longer there, and you're sort of muddled and confused and unsettled. And, and my word to you today is, God wants to help you by his spirit to get a new rhythm in your new season. It means that your devotion may need to be at night, not in the morning. We just need God's wisdom to help manage our season. So now we're regrouping as a team and as a church. And I was unsettled, but now I'm trying to get focused again. Lord, will you help me in my new rhythm and this new season to help me function, have some stability in my life? I want to be consistent, but it might not be the way it's always been in your life. Because when things come into your life, things will change. And I just want to release all you parents who've got young kids or children that you think, you know, when I was single, I could go to the prayer meeting all night. I could read the Bible consistently. <laughs> I could do the things that I could do. But listen, when, thing, when, when things come into your life, you have to change your rhythm. You have to change your pattern. And some of you are a bit confused, unsettled. Things are not working. It's because you're trying to fit your old way of doing things into a new season right now. So I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help you to manage, to get rid of the guilt, to get rid of the confusion, and to bring some stability because you need to know how to transfer into this new season. That's one word that I had from this word. I'm going to move on now. Hospitality. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Welcoming, friendly, kind-hearted sociable, accommodating, and helpful. It's the opposite to unfriendly. And then two more, I'm finished. Do you know the early church, a spirit-filled church, that they were happy? They were happy. Now, they were happy, but there was also persecution and lives being lost. So it's not, they, they constantly was like, you know, bubbly all the time. They hit hard times just like we do. Praising God, verse 47, and enjoying the favor of all the people. This is the second point that I had to stop on today because I want to actually finish near enough on this point. They were happy. And I know through COVID right now, and some of you online, you may have had a, such a journey, such transition, such turmoil, may have lost loved ones, may have lost jobs, bereavement, all, something's happened. Maybe in your life right now, it's just a, a chore. And maybe, I just want to pray that God will bring into your life in this next season, a season of happiness, a season of joy, a season where you can rejoice, have a break from the misery, have a break from the tears, have a break from the heartache, that God would land in your life, in your world, a time out of, of God's hand of happiness. A smile upon your face. These people were praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. A season of enjoyment. I wonder if any of you here said, you know what, I forgot what that's like. Well, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to download one of those seasons coming into your life. I'm going to pray for that for you so that you can have a smile on your face. You know, the Holiday Inn hotel chain when looking for 500 people to fill positions for a new facility, interviewed 5,000 candidates. The hotel managers interviewing these people excluded all candidates who smiled fewer than four times during their interview. I've learned something about smiling. 
even when I don't want to. In fact, I was in the little dressing room in there. They've got a mirror, mirror on there. And I, I looked in the mirror at myself and I just thought, oh my goodness, you're getting old. But I had to force a smile. And when I forced a smile, it was interesting what reflection came back. And you know something? Maybe behind your mask today that you haven't smiled. I'm talking about genuine for a long time. Do you know, smiling helps us. My prayer, if, if the only thing out of this message, two things will happen, that you would get a new rhythm in your new season of stability. And number two, that God would put a smile back on your face. He'll put a joy back in your heart. When you smile, your brain releases tiny molecules called neuropeptides. I think I've got that right. To help fight off stress. Then other neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin and endorphins come into play. The endorphins act as a mild pain reliever, wherever the serotonin is an antidepressant. One study even suggests that smiling can help us recover faster from stress and reduce our heart rate. In fact, it might be even worth for a while to fake a smile. I want you to turn to somebody right now. I know they can't see you, but just fake a smile behind that mask. Come on. Fake a smile. Get your muscles. Put, grin. Grin. Because there are benefits with smiling. It relaxes the whole body. Did you know that your muscles relax for 45 minutes after you have a good laugh? Did you know that? It helps immune systems. It protects the heart. This is the one, I think Leah liked this, it burns calories. Did you know that? It bur- I thought, this is my diet from now on. It says it's, n- it's not a good replacement for going to the gym. But one study found that laughing for 10 or 15 minutes a day can burn about 40 calories. How many of you laugh so much that your stomach hurts better than sit-ups? And do you know something? Out of this season, I just believe that we just need to smile afresh. To smile. Not only does it help you, it helps others. When you're looking at congregations and you're preaching and they've got a big, like, but when they smile at you, it does something to the brain. It says, you know what? They're responding. Smiling helps us. Proverbs 17 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Stand with me. There's two more things. Inclusive is the I, and M is multiplication. Inclusive means that if we don't embrace people, we'll never see multiplication. All walks of life, all backgrounds. We have to be an inclusive church. They enjoyed the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their multiplication. But here's the thing. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Lift your hands with me as we come to a close right now. A spirit-filled church is just not about speaking in heavenly languages. It's about God working in our everyday life 
Helping us to be consistent and stable in turmoil. Helping us to put a smile back on our sadness. And that's what I'm going to pray for right now. And you online. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to do something supernatural. For many of you right across this place and online, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit if he would bring a brand new season of joy into your life. That you'll be able to grin again. That you'll be able to smile again. Do you know if you're having an argument, you know a good laugh will kill all the anger and, and arguing. Father, would you release upon your church a new season of joy? I ask you for marriages. I ask you for relationships. I ask you Lord God, for people in their life right now, if you're on your own, if you're with family, if you live on your own, isolated, if you live with many people, that Lord, you will put joy back in their heart. Lord, I ask you to remove a sadness, a sadness maybe rooted in your heart. Lord, would you, would you allow them to, to laugh again? Would you bring something in this next fortnight that they will just laugh at, that will bring a release in their spirit, would you bring circumstances in line, Lord, that they can smile again? Would you just remove, Father God, any sadness of heart right now in this place? And would you place upon them a spirit of joy and gladness? And Father, for those who are lives are upheaval right now and trying to navigate their season, Lord, would you give them wisdom? to bring order out of chaos, to help them catch a new rhythm in their life. Allow them to breathe again. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.